Welcome back to another episode of You Are Just a Number podcast, a podcast regarding leadership and teamwork on all aspects of life. In this podcast, I have a great conversation with Jeremy Oler, an entrepreneur who tried his hands in many different types of businesses. As the fifth generation of a farming family, he always had a passion for the digital world. He tried many things, but that passion of the digital world remained. He never let failure deter him. He knew he was new in creating websites, so he built websites for free, which eventually launched him into his latest business adventure, Trust Ladder Marketing. He believes attitude is everything, and encouragement from his friends and family was instrumental to his success. To learn more, visit our blog site, which is youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters, you are just a number.com. All one word. I'm Jim Zellum, your host and author of the book, Stepping Stones of Leadership. So let's get started. So welcome, everybody. Today, my guest is Jeremy Oler. He's the proud owner and founder of Trust Ladder Marketing. So welcome, Jeremy. Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. So, Jeremy, you went into your own business, and I found you through, you know, uh, I&E clubs, basically. That's how you and I really connected, and you helped me out on a lot of project marketing. As a matter of fact, you're actually the the webmaster of my uh, blog site. So, what really started you to uh, look into getting into your own business? (laughs) That's a long story. I'll try to uh, I'll try to summarize as best I can. Um, I and you know this a little bit. We've talked about this before. Um, I grew up on a farm and doing farming with my dad, and so I was always around people that were entrepreneurs or in business for themselves. Farm farm is a business. Um, it's a little bit different than you know a corporate business, but um, that's where I kind of got that mindset was from my dad um and my mom too my mom had a business while i was growing up she she um she was in different things um that she tried uh, my mom you know like amway and some of the herbalife and shackley's type um direct marketing companies and she found her niche in doing um like image analysis so she had a business where it took her all over the country actually um doing that for like pageants um uh, i remember when i was a kid she would bring around the uh the miss wisconsin pageant and uh contestants and introduce me to them and there were these you know beautiful women that i couldn't talk to (laughs) when i was like 16 and 17 years old i just didn't have any any way of comprehending how to talk to them so that was uh, that was what my mom did. So you, you know, when you're younger like that, you kind of see these things that your parents are doing, and um, that's kind of where it came from. I think in the beginning. Uh, now that doesn't mean I, I didn't have any jobs. Um, I, I worked at a lot of different companies before becoming an entrepreneur, um, and I've tried a lot of different businesses. But to kind of go back to the farming. My dad was a fifth generation farmer. And early on when I was younger, um, he, he, um, 
he kind of knew I wasn't going to go into farming and he really didn't want me to go into farming. So we had a small dairy operation, um, under 50 head of cattle. Um, we had calves and, and a, a few crops. We did have a pretty, pretty good sized farm. We had about a hundred acres, 93 acres total on our farm. And so that's kind of the start of, you know, um, of, I guess, the mindset of working for yourself. It comes from my mom and dad. Out of everything out there, what uh, kind of like, you know, honed you in onto, into the digital world where you are? I mean, were you sharp with uh, the digital world or did you have to learn it? What, what made you decide to go become into a, you know, your, your, your like, your business is Trust Ladder, which is a marketing company, but I see you do a lot with websites as you did with mine. Yes, I know you help market it, but what put you that way? Um, well, that's, that's, a, that's an even longer story, but um, I, started, I, I started years ago in the 90s, very, very interested in the internet. Um, when I was a kid, I couldn't stop taking apart electronics. Um, and so I had gotten a transistor radio when I was a kid and was fascinated by electronics and what was in them. And so that started me on a road of going into telecom in an indirect way, uh, going into, um, the computer realm. And when I say indirect is I never really saw myself going to college. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do after high school. And my dad decided to sell the farm in, in the night, the year I was graduating from high school, my dad decided to sell the farm. And so I had to think of what I was going to do after high school, because I wasn't going to work on the farm anymore. I think he wanted to make sure you wouldn't work on the farm. Well, the, you know, he, he, it was just a really bad time in the nineties. Um, I know we're going to get off subject here, but um, the, the nineties were really bad for farmers. In, in that era, uh, 92, uh, when I graduated high school, uh, farmers were getting something like $12 for 100 pounds of milk. And they just couldn't survive. And we'd already had like six or seven farm auctions around us in the area that we were in. Um, and my dad kind of saw the writing on the wall and decided he was going to sell the farm and sell the cows before he was forced to. Okay. And so um, he was able to, to, to um, get a fairly good deal for the time and sold the farm to our neighbor and our neighbor was expanding his dairy operation and his land and stuff. So it worked out well in that regard, but my dad and me had to figure out what we're going to do with the rest of our life at the same time. Cause my dad had been a fifth generation farmer. Mm -hmm. So this was, this was very devastating as far as, you know, changing his livelihood. Um, so he went to, um, Madison. Um, it's actually interesting there too, because we both ended up in Madison at the same time. Um, but my dad went to Madison and started working with his brother in an electrical field. So they were electrical contractors, um, until my dad retired. So, the um, going back to how I got into digital, um, it started with computers 
I went to school for electronics. Um, that whole taking apart electronics when I was a kid that led to me going to school for electronics, uh, getting an electronics degree um, in uh, computer servicing and in electronics in general. And then my first job after college was working for telecom um, that it put in computer networks. And this was in 1994. Um, so just as when the internet is blowing up, I mean, AOL is the main thing. Sure, 94, 95. That's right. That was, that was, that was the, uh, you had AOL and what was the other one? Prodigy, I believe. Prodigy. Yep. Good memory. Yeah. Um, and so, um, this new thing, the internet was blowing up and we were putting in the job I had, we were putting in computer networks for schools. And so, um, I got a lot of good training there and, um, um, geographically i was in a small town i was i was up near lacrosse and they said if you want to keep your job after some of these jobs some of these projects were over you have to move to madison so that's how i got here and then um to fast forward to the end of that position where i was putting computer networks i had to make a decision on what i wanted to do well i went and worked for another bigger company that put computer networks in. we we did jobs for uh big major retail companies and um that was a that was a different type of job i was in a new state every week and putting in computer networks for mostly uh bigger retail like walmart and that type of thing um and so that kind of led, led me down this road of technology and putting in computer networks and, and learning that at the same time, you know, this is the 1994, 95, the internet's blowing up. And the, that's the reason we're doing all this stuff is so they, you know, these stores can get on the internet um, and use networks to help their business. So um, I was interested in uh, web development then, and I actually played around in 1995 to build my first website. Um, and it was just abysmal. It just took forever. Um, it was hard to do. You'd build something out and then you'd go to look at it and it looked nothing like what you thought you built. Um, I'm, I, I know anybody that's ever built a website feels that way. Um, but then I took some detours um, in, in my life. I, I started doing other things that led me away from technology. So um so yeah what drove you into uh getting into your own um your internet business then so um i had after um i think i i think i was talking about after i went to college and, and i started in this telecom business where we're doing these walmart stores um i did that for a while and decided i didn't want to do that anymore and i started my own telecom business and in that business, we were putting in computer networks. We were doing we're more on the backs end side of things where we were putting in the infrastructure so people could use their computers. And then while I had that business, I dabbled a little bit in building a website for that business. And then, so I was interested in the, the technology side of that, building a website, building a web presence, and then building a business and trying to get found online and 
it was completely different back then. This was 1990, well, right now, it was about 96 when I started uh, Custom Communications, which was a telecom business that I paired well with my, my dad and my, my uncle doing electrical. They had, they had custom electric, and then I had custom communications. Okay. And so they were doing electrical for, for bids, and then I was doing all the telecom work in the bids. And we did that for several years. Um, and I really enjoyed that, but that's kind of where my first taste of, um, taking a business and trying to get found online, creating a web presence. Um, that was the first, I guess, time that I'd done that whole thing. I yeah, dabbled where you in. You really started marketing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I did an abysmal job. It was not very, I did not do a good job at all. Um, I learned a lot of things, not what, what not to do. Um, the good thing is none of that so applies. That, so, that, so that really goes along with the saying, you learn more from your failures than you do with, from your successes. In my case, absolutely. Totally. I, um, I mean, this company I have now, Trust Ladder, is probably my sixth company. Oh, really? And so the other ones were tiny things, smaller stuff. Um, you know, when I was 19, I started, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. I started a business, see if you've heard this before, um, where people would um, have access to the, to the latest CDs that they could buy and they could, you know, sign up for a subscription to get those CDs every month or they could pick from a catalog. Um, and so that was my first thing I was doing uh, where with some friends and we were, um, we had a place where we could source the CDs overseas. Mm -hmm. And um, the, um, so people would sign up. It was like 20 bucks a month, I think back then was what the sign up cost was. And they would get like five new CDs a month. And, um, and it was it seemed like a great business model at the time. The only problem we didn't understand was that um, things can go wrong in your supply chain. And so we signed a whole bunch of people up. We got a whole bunch of people. This is just my first business and, and the failure I'm talking about. It was an abysmal failure. We signed a whole bunch of people up and then we lost our supplier for the CDs. Oh, not good. Yeah. And so we had to do all, all kinds of refunds and, and um, that supplier ended up um, not doing it anymore. And we, I don't know for a fact is the reason why, but you remember a, a, a business called MBG? No, I don't remember that one. It's, the, it's the one that people will remember this where you used to be able to, uh, you get this thing in the mail that said, pick 12 CDs for a cent. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or it would be get, you know, buy, buy, one, buy 10 for one penny and get, you know, or buy 10, CDs and get get like you know ten for a penny or something like that. Right. right BMG. Right. But then they put they, you on a subscription base for the rest of the year. They would do that too. Yeah. So they, it was they, a, they'd hook you in bait and switch. <laughs> yeah. That the the distributor we had, I think they cut a deal with that company, and that's why we lost the distributor. Okay. Um, they were a big they were a big business. I think pretty sure I don't know the history of BMG, but I. I I believe it was connected to some record label. But anyway, that's that's a side point. Um, that was my first failure in business. 
but after that, you know, I, I dusted myself off. We, we, we didn't, we didn't lose a ton of money. It was, you know, probably a thousand dollar investment for both me and my friend that started the business. So it wasn't this huge thing we couldn't overcome. Um, but you know, in the Midwest, when, when you fail at something, a lot of people, that's the last thing they'll attempt. Yeah. The Midwest does not handle failure. Well, they, they'll, they'll be so, you know, this, this, you know, devastated by a, a failure in something that they won't want to attempt it again. Right. 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 Because of the feeling it gave them. Right. Um, luckily with my, with my folks and their encouragement, and then also, you know, the success and fear I saw of other people around me, it was no big deal to start another company yeah. or start something else, maybe a side business. Um, my dad, when he was farming, even the whole time he's farming, he always had another side thing he was doing. It was usually helping other farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that just, I don't, I don't remember thinking about it at the time, but I, in retrospect, I think that's what taught me just, okay, just brush that off, go do something else. Um, and so I've had, I had that business, I had the telecom business. Um, I had another um, iteration of a web marketing business, but that was a specific thing to insurance companies. Um, uh, the reason uh, it was insurance companies because years later, and we talked about this too. And when I met you, I actually was not in doing um, the business I'm doing now with marketing and internet development and web development. I wasn't doing that when we met. I don't know right. if you remember that. Right. You were still in insurance to a degree, right? I still had the insurance, the investment company at the time. Um, so, but when I went to INE, the INE clubs, um, that gave and for me. For those people not understanding, INE clubs are uh, inventors and entrepreneur clubs. Yeah. I mean, um, meeting everyone at the INE clubs, um, meeting Terry Whipple and other people there. Um, that actually gave me a lot of, it gave me a lot of confidence to switch. Um, I saw a lot of people there switching what they're doing, you know, going a different route. Maybe they'd been doing something for a long time. Um, and I had been doing the investments insurance business at that time, because after the telecom business, I sold the telecom business in the, in the mid two thousands. And after I got done with that, I was really, really interested in investing. I was 24 at the time, 24, 25. And I really wanted to get into investing and um, understand that more. And so I just kind of dove into it and did it as a career for many years um, and had an investment company and a insurance agency uh, from 2000, well, from 1998 to 2008, so about okay. 10 years, yeah. And then uh, in 2011 is when I started the the marketing and um, the marketing company and the and the web development company. So, and what, and what made you decide to try that? I mean, well, I, got, I mean, you, every one of them, you had a sequence. Okay, you learned a little bit here, you learned a bit, a little bit here. You wanted to go into investment, so you tried that business. So now. What caused you to leave the investment business and say, well, you know what? I'm going to try this marketing now and web building. 
you know, I was just talking to this with my girlfriend the other day and, and, you know, I was kind of trying to put a finger on that. Um, it looks like every eight to 10 years, I just try something else. Oh, so you do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, if that was what it was, but. Well, um, let me know. I might have to get someone else to work on my website. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, you know, part of that is because maybe the thing I'm doing isn't as successful as I want it to be. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, we, we, we start things, we start projects um, and then we're like, well, I wish this was a little more successful. You know, maybe I can make it more successful by doing this side thing. That's part of it, but not, you know, not really. Um, and that kind of, that's kind of how it led to the marketing company. I was doing investments in insurance and I had to create web properties and, you know, do web development and do marketing plans for those companies, okay, for okay. the, for the investment company and for the um, insurance agency that we had. And so um, in the traditional marketing of insurance companies, a lot of the marketing there is radio, some is TV. Uh, you see TV as obviously all the time for insurance. That's the, that's kind of their bread and butter. Um, and I wanted to take a different approach when I got into it and I started doing more stuff on the internet. Um, and we had a lot of success with, um, you know, marketing, especially the insurance side of things mm -hmm. on the internet. Um, the, and then just getting, you know, just getting people to call us, um, to the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did that. I really, really enjoyed that part of the other businesses, you know, that part of it, the, the marketing part and, and the building a web space and getting found on the internet. I really enjoyed that part of it. And that led me to eventually selling the insurance part I had. Um, actually that went to the partner I had at the time. He basically had the client base there. And then on the investment side, I sold that part of it. Um, to another investment agency and then completely um, changed everything and went into complete full web development, full marketing um, after I sold them that business. So um, I started probably a year before I sold the investment company. I started laying the groundwork to get customers and start doing web development. And a lot of them I did Early on, when I first started, I did them for free. I didn't charge them anything um, just to learn it, get better at it. Now, I've been doing it quite a while for myself, but I didn't feel I was competent enough to, to do it for other people, uh, you know, until I got more experience under my belt. And that came pretty quickly. I mean, I would say six months, I felt pretty comfortable. Um, so experience Having builds confidence for sure. Absolutely. And, and, and people, you know, when they first start something or they're thinking about starting something, it's, it's, um, it's a great way to get started quickly is to offer something free to someone um, with the expectation, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a professional at this yet. I'm not perfect at this yet. Um, but I'll, I'll give you something. Um, I'll get, I'll build you a website or I'll do some marketing for you. 
at no cost just to, just to um, get some experience at the same time, try to help you grow your business. And that's what I did with a couple businesses. And we well, had I, I, I'm one of your examples because just so everyone knows, many years ago, I developed this handy picture hanging tool that uh, to this day, people love it. They just won't buy it. But to, <laughs> but to, to go down that road, I met Terry at an I&E club and um, you actually built that site for me for nothing and for a percent of the profits and uh, but we never got anything out of it, but that is <laughs> that backs up your story how you built some sites for free for people in hopes of building it and being truthful with you, you're the one reason why I always come back to you and um, point other people to you because you helped me so much with that with that site and you're my webmaster, you know, I mean, it doesn't get you a lot of profit, but you're, you're, you're the one that takes care of, uh, you're just a number website. So uh, I appreciate all that. And now it makes sense. I never, actually, you and I have gone to so many places and I never knew that was one of your marketing schemes. Okay. To do it for free because you've got yourself a pretty good business now. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're not going to have a problem with your price. So, <laughs> And that's usually the reason people don't hire someone, you know, or a lot of the time is because they just don't want to spend money or something or, you know, and I didn't want to come in and say, okay, I'm going to compete, you know, uh, for the business, but yet, you know, someone else that's a more professional person uh, at the time, they're probably going to do a better job for that customer. But, you know, the, the advantage I had was I wasn't charging any money. So it got me in the door. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you and have, so, you have loyalty from customers too. You, did you do that one that um, I think he sells like 20,000 items? Uh, did you do his for free? No, no, I did. I did some free stuff for them in okay. the beginning, but, um, and they were actually, they were actually my first company. Um, but because of the nature of that, or my first, uh, real, real big, uh, customer, um, I had done some other smaller customers and stuff for myself and some other small customers. Um, uh, but, uh, I had done some web development and some marketing for them. Um, and then that particular client was one of my biggest clients at the, at the insurance agency. And so I actually got a handful of customers from my previous business that became my customers in the, in the marketing oh, and web okay, development okay. business. So that particular, uh, that's how that particular customer came to me is they were already, I was, I was there, I was their insurance agent oh, okay. originally. Okay. And so um, that's how I got to know them. And I had been their insurance agent for, you know, two or three years. Um, and then when they heard I didn't even, I didn't even go after, I didn't even know they were actually looking to, to market themselves online at the time. They came to me after they heard from someone else. I think I was doing some stuff with another customer that was a insurance customer um, of the agency and of the insurance agency. And they had said, Oh, he's doing this for us. And they're like, Oh, well, we want to do that too. We want to, you know, get a web presence and build a site and, they had done one of their own, you know, how this goes. Sometimes they had built their own site and they, they, they just, they didn't like it at all. It wasn't working for them. Um, and I've had that happen many times over the years where people 
go to build a website and then they realize there's a lot more to it than the commercial they saw saying how easy it is to build your own site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then they, sure. they say, hey, can, can you do this for us? So that's how that came about. But it started with 20, 20 uh, that, that particular um, client started with 20 products. Now, when, when they had 20 project, products, I didn't charge them very much. So it was almost free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and they just had 20 products was on their website. And then the next, by the next year, they had 500 products on there. And then the year after that, the third year I was working with them, they got to about 11,000 products on their website. And today I think it's roughly between 11,000, 15,000 products mm -hmm. on their site. So it's a pretty big site. It's got a lot of stuff on it. Um, mostly in, you know, outdoor camping type space. All right. So let's, let's go now. So you have your own business. All right. And, you know, you started out doing things for free and now you got yourself growing in here. So now the workload got too much for Jeremy all by himself. So now what did you do to uh, keep people happy? Yeah. Um, we, we use mostly freelancers. Uh, so I have a project and then I go try to find a person that's really good at that particular aspect. Um, you know, that particular skill set for that project. So give you an example, the customer we're just talking about that does the um, uh, outdoor, outdoor gear, they, they needed a very specific integration between um, a distri distribution company that they work with and their website. So, um, instead of having to manually put in products into their pages into uh, on their site, because you can imagine if you get to 10,000 products, that's a nightmare if you're trying to do things manually. Right, um, right. It's, it's actually not possible unless you're hiring full-time people to do that. Right. Um, do, do, so, do all that inputting, right. Yeah. So I, I went and looked for freelancers that were very specific skill sets. And that's worked very well. Uh, so I'll, I hired for that particular customer, I hired a programmer that was skilled in a specific type of uh, technical programming for that uh, integration between the distrib distribution website and the, and the customer's website. And um, I've, that gave me a very, that particular programmer was a great person to work with. They were freelancer. They weren't even in my state. They're in Tennessee. Um, and so that was kind of the first time I'd ever used um, outside help to help me build a, a, you know, some kind of web development. And from that, it led to, well, I should do this more because then I can, I can work with customers more on the customer side. And then I can have these freelancers um, and other people doing the work um, for you. Doing the backdoor back work. work while you're yeah, with the customer. All, you know, all the what, what, what we call grunt work in this industry of, you know, actually doing the development. But you're, and, but you're, but you're up front giving them what you want done though. You're, you're, you're still the, for lack of better words, a general I, contractor controlling everything. I manage all the projects and, and a lot of the web, the web development still to this day, I do quite a bit of it. Like your site, uh, other people were involved probably 20% of the time. And I did about 80% of your site. Okay. It's, and, but that's because you're local. We know each other. Um, we've been friends for years. 
I kind of, I kind of take on that. If it's somebody personally that I know, um, I take on that, that responsibility also, um, because it's a, it's a blog versus, you know, a, a big website. It's, yep. it's not as much of an undertaking where if, you know, another e-commerce site comes in, that's, I'm going to have to have help with that. <laughs> that's just not something I can handle myself. And especially nowadays with my schedule and how busy we've been, um, uh, you know, it, it, it helps to have these freelancers and, and it's actually opened up a lot of areas where I can go and, and make sure that the customers that I want to personally take care of, I can. Okay. And because behind the scenes, I have a team that's actually going and doing um, the medium size and the larger projects. And I don't have to get too involved in the back side of that. Now, I, I still manage all the projects. Okay. They just do a lot of the web development and some of the marketing work. So let, let me ask you a couple questions in here. Um, without, you know, probably giving the listeners too much, because I know you did a lot of homework finding your freelancers. How did you find your freelancers? Um, um, there's, yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of different places you can go. Um, what I do is I look for, like, let's say I have a project. Um, I just go online and look for specialists in that area. Okay. So if I, am I looking for someone that's doing social media work? Um, I'll look for an expert in social media that, you know, it makes sense, right? It's just, okay, I'll just go do a search who's doing really good things with social media. And then, um, then I'll just, uh, you know, I'll send them an email or call them and, um, it's usually other businesses just like mine um, that are smaller, you know, between one and five people. So that... how, do you get, how do you get to trust these people though? I mean, okay. Let, let's say you got, you know, Joel say you got Tom, Dick and Harry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How do you know if Tom, Dick or Harry is reliable? How, how, how do you do that choice? Okay. How, you yeah. Know, I mean, because it's going to, whatever they do, isn't going to affect them. It's going to affect your business. So how do you, how do you know that, uh, you know, Tom out of the three of them is the best one to go to? He's reliable. I know exactly what you mean. Um, that's a little bit of trial and error. Um, but uh, let me kind of say it this way. When you compare it to having employees versus using freelancers. Cause that's really, whenever you're doing any kind of business, eventually you're going to need help. And, um, in the telecom business, I had all employees in this, in this business, I have all freelancers. And the reason being, I'll explain that reason why in picking people as well. Okay. Um, so if you have an employee, you, you have a lot more overhead costs than if you have a freelancer. That's just the, the bottom line of that's the nature of the employees versus employees versus freelancers. The, also on the same, same token, the employee has a very specific skill set, and you're buying that skill set when you hire that employee. The next project that comes up, they might their skill set might not apply to it. If they're, you know, master in social media that you hired them, 
but then you get a whole bunch of products that have nothing to a whole bunch of projects that have nothing to do with social media, then you're kind of looking for another employee. And so in telecom, and I don't want to get in too much in the headaches of employees. I'm sure there's listeners out there that understand more than I do how you can have a lot of headaches when you have employees, especially nowadays with what happened with the economy, with everything being shut down right. over the last year. Um, the, 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 the headaches that can come from having a lot of employees, having to have a brick and mortar business, you know, where you, you know, have public traffic. I mean, obviously um, those, a lot of those businesses are hurting. Um, and I feel fortunate that I had changed my mindset and switched from employees when I had the telecom business, had employees and hired local people to going to freelancers because the freelancers, A, they're working remotely. So that's helping me a lot right now. Um, but prior to even what happened this last year, that helped me a lot in terms of if I pick a freelancer and they're not a good fit, you know, Tom, Tom doesn't do a good job, but um, he's not going to get another project. Right, right. Where if it's an employee, the only recourse, if they're not doing a good job, is to fire them. And that's never good for anybody. I don't like it. And employees certainly don't like it. And plus, it costs the business a lot of money when you fire people and hire people. Right. And right. so freelancers have the skill set I'm looking for. They're, they're doing the job based on a project. So they're going to do, in my experience, the ones I've contracted with. And there's good and bad, but mostly I've found very good freelancers out there and they want to do the best job they can. So they get the next contract. So have you ever, let's, let's just tie this. I want to tie this a little bit into maybe leadership and teamwork in here. Have you ever had a team of freelancers work on one project that you had yes. to lead? And how did that work out? Um, I still manage the project. So it, the, the, they kind of do stuff. I kind of, everything's put into, um, compartments. So it's, it's all compartmentalized. So they do interact. They do talk to each other. Um, it works pretty well. Um, most of the freelancers that I've worked with, they, they speak, they kind of speak the same language because it's, you know, it's the same field. Some are programmers, some are designers, but um, nowadays with technology, it's, it's, it's a lot easier in my opinion, because you can just set up a plan on how you're going to build something. You can manage it through a channel like Slack or uh, just email. Right. And then basically smattered of having updates with those people every so often and having little powwows with the people. And I usually do it on an individual basis. Um, I don't do a lot of group meetings. Okay. Um, I just don't, there's just not a lot of group meetings are not real productive for me uh, in, in general terms. I just don't think they're super productive. And um, we just have a plan of attack for a project which I'm still managing, but then they have their each individual role that they do. And sometimes they have talked to each other and send emails back and forth, but I, I really haven't had anything 
you know, be a problem there just because they're just trying to get their work done. The other person in the team is trying to get their work done. And they hold the I, schedule pretty good, right? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you'll have issues where somebody's not getting something done. I mean, I, I think that's normal. Um, and then sometimes it's because they, they're just so busy, they can't right. get it done. And that's good. And that's kind of part of it. When you find somebody good, they're going to be busy a lot. And sometimes you got to play with that a little bit. Um, uh, that goes back to setting expectations up for the customer. And so my philosophy with that, which helps with the freelancers, is I always under promise and try to over deliver. Um, there's, there's no sense in trying to hype up what you're going to do for a customer. It just hurts you in the end. I've seen it over and over with other people I've worked with where they just tell the client they're going to do this and that. They're going to be the best thing since sliced bread. You know, they're going to, they're going to get, you know, them ranked in Google and, you know, in a week and, you know, they're going to get all their keywords ranked. And that never works out well to oversell yourself or try to try to say you're going to do all this stuff for the customer. Um, because not only do they, then they expect the best, and you're going to do things that you probably aren't going to deliver on. You're also um, crunch for time too, because they're going to expect it fast. Right. right. And I think um, you and I, you and I have gone through that because even with what we were talking about, especially with the handy picture hanging, how, how we get it on the first page of Google and everything. I mean, you worked hard at it, but it was organic and it came down to how much money did I want to spend to get it up there. Okay. And so I, 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 I get what you're saying with your under promise and over deliver. So, I mean, it does make sense. And you, you are a very big advocate of that, um, of, of that statement. Well, it, it just helps like to, to cap it off with the freelancers. It helps the freelancers too, because then we, you know, I always set it up where we have plenty of time to finish a project because we're so busy. Um, if, if I, if I, if I overpromise to that customer, it's, it's going to hurt my relationship with that freelancer because I'm going to be pressuring them to get stuff done faster. And I don't want to do that. Have you ever gone to, yeah. Have you ever gone to a freelancer? And I'm just giving you a scenario. Have you mm -hmm. ever gone to a free net lancer and you got your customer and you know, it has to be done by, well, let's say this is February. So let's say it has to be done by April 1st. Have you ever gone to a freelancer and said, Hey, you know, this is what I want done. When can you get it to me by? So he he commits versus you giving him the date, and if it fits your schedule, you you sit you you sit with it, or do you always give him the requirement? Um, it depends. I, I see where you're going there. Yeah, you can you can do that and see where how long. I usually ask the question, how long do you think this project will take you? Yeah, yeah well, because when I when I was in uh you know a leadership position, a lot of times I would ask, you know, I'd have a manager or somebody come in here and I, there was an a, assignment. So I would say, Hey, you know, well, this is what we need to get done. And they understood it. We talked about it. I said, so what do you think you can have it done by? Okay. So if they gave me a time and I'm just using arbitrary number so that I, you know, they give me a time I can get it done by March 15th. Okay. And I'm saying, well, I, I, I need it by April 1st. That would have been a great date. I usually go with it. Well, you know what? You can do the 15th or you could take the 22nd because I always like them to commit to me because that means they're buying in. You're the one promising me. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking yeah. you to tell me when you can get it done. That, and that's the only reason why I threw that up to you. 
yeah that makes a lot of sense um if, I, if i'm thinking about it um most of the time i don't i don't give them like this date where this like this absolutely has to be done by this right. date the drop dead um, date usually usually um i'm putting enough time into a project um and i've learned this over the years for time management i used to be abysmal at time management mm -hmm. um and um uh, not saying i'm i'm the perfect at it now but the um because uh, i i think today is probably the the second time in history that i've actually been on time for an appointment we've had <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe second or third time. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a tough guy, but I but I understand your busyness, and I always tell you, I'm the small I'm the small fish in the pond, and I know you got a couple big fish to take care of. Hey, have you ever heard uh, of like? No. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm finished with your, your thoughts. No, there. no, I was I was going to go on a different topic. So go ahead. No, what were you going to say? Oh, um, yeah, uh, I think just just in general, um. I put enough time into the project that timeframes usually don't hurt us. Okay. Um, occasionally we'll come up on a time frame and we don't have everything done that we want to have done, but I've left a good line of communication open with the customer mm -hmm. saying, saying upfront, there might be something that comes up where we have to, um, you know, do something else or the project may take a little bit longer, but we'll let you know about that. And so, because I've said that up front to the customer, it's usually a really easy phone call if we do have to ask for an extension of time with the customer. Um, doesn't happen so very often, but it does happen occasionally where we have to ask the customer, hey, you know, we said we're gonna try to get this done by the 15th. We're probably gonna be, you know, closer to the, you know, 17th. Okay. Um, and if you set it up the right way in the beginning, everything is this way. If you set it up the right way in the beginning, you're usually not going to have a problem with that as long as you put that flexibility into your into your uh, your contract with the customer, if that makes sense. Oh, most definitely. So have you ever heard of a, a, um, a company or I think it's really an internet called Fiverr? Yeah. Have you ever used Fiverr and what's your thoughts on Fiverr? You know, Early on, years ago, I did use Fiverr. Um, Fiverr is an interesting platform. Um, there's all, I mean, the, the, there is an issue with Fiverr with finding quality because years ago, it was easier to find quality on there because there wasn't as many providers of services, but now it's just so big. There's so many people it makes it harder to choose from who you want to go with. Uh, the difficulty with Fiverr is you can't get on the phone and talk to somebody on there. Right. Right. Um, right. It's all because the way they control it. Yeah. Um, I, I like Fiverr. I've used it. If it's something that's simple, but yet it's time consuming. Uh, Fiverr is a good spot. I think if you, if you have like, if let's say you have this research that has to be done, and you just don't have time to do the research and it's simple it's not a hard thing to do it just takes a lot of time to do yeah. that's i think fiverr would be a good place for that because you can just give that that job to someone they can go out and do the research for you and then come back with 
um, with, with, you know, just the results of that research that you could have easily done. It's just the time. Yeah. That you're very time back. consuming. Got yeah. It. And so that, I think that's the role fiber plays. I mean, there's all kinds of things on fiber. I don't even know that people do. I mean, you can get anything done on there. I mean, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. Right. Voiceover right. work is, is, you know, digital graphics, anything. Um, I had somebody do graphics work for me one time on Fiverr um, and they were really good at it. Um, and I went back to them to do a similar graphics thing and they were gone from the platform and no I, and, and I couldn't get in contact with them because there's no way to contact them outside of Fiverr. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of the dilemma there is you might get somebody good, but then you can't get them again if they leave the platform. Well, if they leave the platform and the other thing I understand too, is if, um, if they don't get good ratings, Fiverr will get rid of them. Okay, I mean, yeah, they're, yeah I mean, they're they're looking for four and five stars. Okay, and if they get complaints, and you know, um, I I understand if they the person um, giving doing the work kind of like asks you, hey, can you give me a five star? And you tell Fiverr, they'll yeah. they'll penalize them and cut them out, cut them almost like uh, I'll, I'll use Facebook. You're going into Facebook jail for a while. Okay, that that you're you're in jail and you can't be you, you can't be used for a while or something like that. So. Yeah. And there's other websites out there that are, that are similar. They're not going to, it's going to cost you more than some, somebody doing something on Fiverr. Um, I mean, on Fiverr, it is a lot of people from outside of the United oh, States. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because their, their, their cost of living is lower. Well, their cost of living might not be lower, but at least their incomes are lower. And that's why you get people from outside countries that like Fiverr because they're just making their, their percentage of what they're making versus somebody from the United States is much higher. Sure. Um, in the United States, it's not sustainable being on Fiverr unless you expand that business. And that's, you know, the upsells that they have on Fiverr for, right. and you see that more, you see that a lot more nowadays where it's upselling. It really should be called tenor now because you're really not getting anything done for $5 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or 20 or, I mean, cause I mean, you, you really, if you really want what you want, it's going to cost you more than that. Oh, it's yeah. just, a, it's just a way to, for them to get in the door. Right. Um, right, and right. You start doing business for you. It's a good platform. I'm, you know, I wish them success. Um, there's other platforms like freelancer. I'm sure you've been on. Yep. I've seen that. And well, then, no, I haven't been on that one. I, I, matter of fact, I forget. I, I actually forget how I did it. And I just looked at Fiverr. I, I mean, I, I didn't really sign up for it. I looked at it, saw it, and I thought about it, you know, and I'm saying, well, you know, um, I, I was actually maybe for a book cover design and something like that, you know. Um, but other than that, I, I haven't really. I mean, pretty much if you, I go through you almost on everything. Yeah. There's another site too, just to cap this up. I know you want to get to the next topic. So, um, we can talk about it more off camera, but there, um, there's a, there's a place called 99 designs. I don't know if you ever heard of that before. Oh, I heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I actually think, I actually think I saw an advertisement on that on LinkedIn or something like that. Okay. Uh, but again, I didn't check it out, but I, I will check it out. Oh, now, Jeremy, I, th I think you've told us a lot. I mean, uh, this is going, we, we've been talking for quite some time. So I, I, you know, I'd like to, you know, you know, end this part up in here, but you're a great example of an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, so for anybody out there listening, okay. Cause you've had your ups and downs. Okay. And sometimes more downs than ups, but you're on an upswing right now. <laughs> so, so, 
what advice if any would you give our listeners about you know the uh, the journey you took in life um i yeah i don't know i don't know how qualified i am to give advice but if if um if i was saying what i've learned over the the years um you know just wake up wake up the next day say okay today is a new day i can do whatever i want and figure out what i need to do to have a, a successful business um i that might just be kind of basic and broad but it's really the attitude you come to things that help you the most i mean if if your attitude is um you know down all the time or if you have if you let things that are going to ultimately happen you're going to have really bad days um in business you're going to have things happen that you never suspected would ever happen in a million years you just can't focus on those bad things that happen you just got to focus on the maybe one good thing that happened that month or that week or that day and 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 focus on that and try to expand that versus think about all those bad things that happen okay um, the more you think, the more it expands. So if you think about that bad thing, it's going to expand and you're going to have more bad things come of it. So if, if I had anything to say about that would be just try to focus on all the positive things that are happening and try to build those, build on those positive things. Um, but there's so many, so many things that go into it. It's just not one thing. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just not one, one thing. Um, that might, I guess, be a piece of advice um, just to have a positive attitude. But the um, there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, obviously, uh, family is a big deal about it. If, you know, some people have people around them that help them, uh, enable them to do what they do. Um, in my family, my girlfriend, if I didn't have my girlfriend, didn't have my family encourage me all the time, that that's a big part of me being successful is that encouragement mm -hmm. um and i miss uh, some of that in the in what we have now because i haven't been able to interact with those people as much yeah in parts yeah. of my family i'm sure yeah. a lot of people are feeling that right now oh yeah well it's even, even like you and me i you know um we used to always go out a couple of years have lunch together and just talk about ideas and everything like that and yes it's it's nice it's nice that we get on zoom or any virtual thing but it's not like sitting down having lunch with you you know and talking you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i i mean there's good and bad parts of this downturn i mean the bad parts is we can't have that interaction anymore with a lot of people uh, and ourselves but the good part of some of this stuff and the isolation that we've been having is you kind of focus on things that you haven't you know that you are in the back of your mind, at least for me, I'm focusing on a lot more stuff um, than I wasn't focusing on before. Sure, sure. Um, sure. Your expectations change a little bit, your inner expectations versus, you know, I mean, there's people that are good with outer expectations, not good with inner expectations, you know, but you sound like a person that meets your, you know, external expectations from your customers and you have internal expectations that you like to meet. Yeah, um, and to, to give a little bit more on that, um, it's it's 
my it's what it, it really comes down a little bit to philosophy or probably a lot to philosophy of how you feel things affect you on outside outside of yourself so do you feel that things are going on the outside you don't have any control of anything or do you feel that you have control it's where your yoke of control is do you mm -hmm. think it's in that you have control of things around you or things happen around you and you don't have any control of them and i always lean toward the fact that i have control of the things around me okay. i can control what i'm gonna do say and react to um and that helps a lot i think in my mindset as far as business is mm -hmm. concerned okay. well jeremy i want to thank you very much for uh spending time with us we learned a lot from you well thanks for letting me uh kind of just uh, probably babble on for too long <laughs> um, i appreciate the i appreciate the the interview and uh wish you best of luck on your podcasts here okay. um and your and your site I, I really enjoy reading uh your blog um gotten a lot of out of out of that too all right well thanks jeremy Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Jeremy Oler. So what did I learn in this podcast? I learned experience builds confidence. I also learned the value of using freelancers. I always knew attitude is everything, but as Jeremy put it, attitude helps you the most. Plus, you have to applaud his passion. You know, people learn a lot from the experiences of others. So if you have something you would like to share, please contact me at youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters you are just a number.com. All one word. Until next time, have a great day.